So we believe it's the Apostle Paul writing this time. We believe he's chained up. We believe he's under house arrest. If you want to know why, for what offense, read Acts chapter 21. We talked about it last Sabbath. The summary is, Paul brought Gentiles into his sanctuary, into his temple to keep them safe, and he offended the religious people. He's offended them, and for that crime, they've called the army. They've taken him as when it is when they start to whip Paul, he says, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen here. You can't really do this. I'm going to call the lawyer kind of moment. So they said, he's right. He has a point. So they put him under house arrest. It is under house arrest, and we think in Rome, he writes to this region of Ephesus. We think this is a letter that moves from little group to little group to little group, not because they're asking Paul questions like some of our other letters in the New Testament, like Corinthians and Galatians and Philippians, not because Paul is their spiritual advisor solving their problems in this case. We imagine Paul chained up under house arrest, needing to say the most urgent, important things, which is when he says, for by grace you've been saved. Not any doing of your own, it's a free gift, all God's idea, all God's work, no one can boast. This is the entire letter, if you've been with us, week one we named that, week two, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we stood in the seam between chapters three and four of this letter, for by grace you have been saved, now look out to the world, church. Last week we talked about that difficult word, humility, as we moved forward into chapter four. Move around the world with humility. Oh, that's difficult. Today though, I wanna back up to these first two verses where Paul says grace and peace to you. Every letter has to start somewhere, right? Hello, I'm Paul, is how it begins. And then, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. We cannot miss that this will be saturated with news of Jesus, right? We, get, we see that in just two verses. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Hello, I'm Paul, and then I think you're about Jesus too. I'm gonna be about Jesus in this letter. And then he says these words, grace and peace. Grace and peace, this is his form of hello. When we were kids and my grandmother would call the house to talk to my father, I've told you my father's name is Babe, right? So don't be alarmed, Babe is his real name. When grandma would call the house, we'd pick up the phone, she would simply say, Babe there. Hey grandma, hi. Babe there. For always and forever, my mom would grumble. Most people say hello when they call. Why can't she just say, help, babe there? Right, that's how a conversation begins. Hello, how are you, how are you? This is what the Apostle Paul is doing in the letter. A beginning has to happen. It's a form of a letter. So it came to me this way when I was a teenager, a very young teenager, a boy who thought he liked me. He's choosing the form of a poem. If I say, roses are red, you know what's next. Right, it's a very simple form. And then the sky is the limit. You can say whatever you want. Roses are red, violets are blue. Here's what this guy decides to say. Roses are red, violets are blue. I like you. That's no baloney. <laughs> and we may or may not have cleaned that up a little bit for church. Because <laughs> I still want to be your pastor next week. You can say whatever you want after roses are red, violets blue. Everybody knows how the form goes. He started strong and then he fizzled, right? 
So the Apostle Paul is doing that thing, grace and peace to you is what he pulls for only when he says grace and peace, it's more complicated. And because we're separated by cultures and centuries and sensibilities, it it loses its punch on us too. Grace, the Greek word, the Greek greeting, would be normal for those with Greek ears to hear, grace, hello, how are you? And peace would be normal for the Jewish blessing, those Hebrews from Israel, they would understand that word, but to put them in the same sentence. Grace to you Greek people, Peace to you, Hebrew Jewish people. That would have been the smart way for Paul to do his greeting. He lives in a time where he knows these divisions and factions are deep. He knows that for the, for the Greeks to be anything other, other than Greek is criminal. He knows that for Hebrews and Jews to be anything else is to be called a Gentile dog. He knows for the Romans to be anything other than Roman, you might as well be a barbarian and on and on and on it goes. Friends, in 2019, it seems we don't have a new problem, just a fresh version of an old crisis. So if you're not in the in group, you really don't matter. So watch out women and children and servants and slaves and lame and blind, anyone with a malformed body. Thank God we're not you. Paul would have been much wiser to say, grace you Greek people, shalom, peace you Jewish Israel people. Now can we talk, but he puts them both together in one sentence. He creates a new greeting. It's a countercultural greeting. When he says grace and peace, all of the tension that I've just named will be present in the greeting. Grace and peace, I want to say something about Jesus. As difficult, as gutsy, as courageous as humility that we talked about last week is this idea that we could walk around the world and say grace and peace because we think God intends for all people to live and dwell in grace and peace. Grace, that which God has done for all of us and reconciled us to God. Peace, that which God hopes will happen in the world through reconciled people. It's bold, friends. This morning, we're going to listen to words from one of our leaders. Mayor, come on up. And church, would you give a welcome to our mayor, Rusty Bailey. Keep going until he gets here. Thank you. Welcome. You're here because I think you're one of these kinds of gutsy, courageous leaders, friend. And hey, before you talk to us, can I ask you a couple questions? Of course. There's a real person, right, who grew up in Riverside. Question number one, Rusty, can you just come right here? Uh Uh-oh, is this a tough one? Yeah, no, no, no. You know, I'm just going to have to throw all this this out and let the spirit move (laughs) and speak. Okay. No podium. Can you get a table? Let's be real. We're going to solve that for you. No, no. We can solve that. Question number one. (laughs) Local boy, Riverside, give us a memory as a little kid growing up in Riverside. Sure, well, a couple things. First one comes to mind is is during the orange blossom season, Mm -hmm. right? Who who remembers in here the smell of the orange blossoms, Riverside? Amen? It's not as as awesome as it was when I was growing up. But there still is a smell there. So that's one memory, just just driving Victoria, riding my bike down Victoria, Mm. orange groves all the way up Alessandro. Another, another quick memory, how, 
you know, how long do I have? See, you, you're gonna, <laughs> how many memorized do I get to have? One, one more. One more, well, I, I used to come out here to the Swiss Dairy. Anybody know where the Swiss Dairy is? The Richmonds were my, my neighbors. So okay. in this neighborhood, I remember coming out and, and being a part of the, the Swiss dairy and getting some milk right out of a cow. Yes. Yeah. It did not That's, smell like the orange no, blossoms. No, no, that was yeah, different. Yeah. D- different But thing. it goes well with oranges, you know? <laughs> we, we're gonna go with you on that one. <laughs> All right, number two. All right. So you go to high school here, you go off to uh, training at West Point, right? Mm-hmm. You come back and decide you wanna teach high school. Why? <laughs> it was a calling. Tell us. In a simple answer. Um, well, actually, you know, you get, I go to West Point in the military for a while, um, get out of the military, go back to graduate school, and then I, I marry up. I marry my wife. She's from, very good choice. From, from Riverside. And she was a teacher, right? Things change when you get married, amen? <laughs> and, and in a good way, I'm saying, make sure you tell Judy, in a good way. And, and so she was a teacher, and so she kind of pulled me into that education mm. field, but it was just a natural um, leader, servant leadership connection for me to come back and, and to go into teaching at, at my old high school that I graduated from. So again, it was a calling. It wasn't something I intended to do, but I was called to that. And what's your subject? Government. Government. We yeah. have uh, some history teachers sitting over here today. Yeah, yeah. We could do the whole quiz afterwards. <laughs> the third question I'm interested sure. in. This deep conviction you have, now as our leader in Riverside, this deep conviction you have for what you call the least, the last, and the lost, where did that? The Bible calls the least, the well, last, and the lost, amen. Well, yeah. where'd that conviction yeah. come from? Well, that's a, a nice segue into, into what I'm gonna focus on today. Um, but really, it came from listening, you know, the call to the calling, and to, to the gifts that God has given me, mm-hmm. and for such a time as this, mm-hmm. as, as the Bible speaks of in Esther. And, and God put me into this position for such a time as this to, to love mm-hmm. my neighbors, and, and that happens to be the least, last, and the lost in Riverside right now. I think that is the calling that he's really, he really wants me to focus on. So we want you to talk about that for a few minutes. Church, we're gonna give him our attention for a few minutes to listen about what this means. Yeah. And look, yeah. here's the resources. Oh, man, look at that. I tell you, and, and I'm a little intimidated because they gave me this minute by minute rundown, you know, of the sermon. You guys are out of here by 12.30, by the way, it looks like, but I don't know, 12.25, the Lord's Prayer. So, like I said, if you want a spirit-filled um, <laughs> sermon, I'm gonna do a little bit of that, but I'm also gonna give you a presentation that we've been working on. But first, I wanna, I wanna say again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Chris um, and team. You know, the most important, the bottom line up front to you all today is, is gratitude. Thank you to the, to the church and to this community, uh, to the Los Area University Church community for, for, for really doing this work already. And, and you've been a blessing to me. I believe that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. That's what the Bible says. And so that's the first and foremost. I want you to know that your church has blessed this mayor and, and this, this believer um, in this work. And so thank you. Gratitude. Already, you're already doing this. So once some of the presentation I'm gonna show you, you know, you're already doing it. I'm gonna to go to other churches and show this same presentation, so please 
provided to give me some feedback after, the <laughs> after this, this presentation. But I wanna give you just an outline of what the Lord really, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me to, to speak to you about today. The outline is, is this, and it, and it goes back to that question of the conviction. Why am I here? Timing, timing for such a time as this. I mentioned Esther, calling through Ephesians, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And that means everybody in this room. And, and how do you, how do, you gotta hear that calling. So listen, in James it says listen to the word and then do what it says, the obedience part, all right? And so I, w- I did that, I did that. In 2016, there was a mayor's challenge to end veterans homelessness in, in the country. And from the White House, they challenged the mayors, all right? It's inexcusable to have veterans homeless on our streets, amen? Yes, as a veteran, of course I agree with that. As a mayor, I doubly agree with that. And so we brought people together, typically the government, when I say that, to the table to end veterans homelessness. And through, through the, the grace of God, but also through the federal government, they did come to help. I'm from the government, I'm here to help. So HUD and the VA came together and provided vouchers for homeless veterans. And we found 89 on our streets by the end of 2016, and and we got to functional zero. So we ended veterans homelessness in Riverside, and we still, yeah. (laughs) Glory to God, glory to God through his, his public servants that did that. But then, so the question was, okay, that's veterans. What about the others? What about the chronically homeless? What about the least, the last, and the lost among us? And so that's when it really began, the conviction in my heart. We can't just stop it at veterans. Yes, they deserve because of their service, but aren't we all children of God? Back to grace and peace. Who is that grace and peace to? Just the Greeks, just the Romans? No, it's to the Samaritans, to, to everybody, that grace and peace. What did the good Samaritan do? He, he helped. He stopped, he listened, he was called to that. Others were not. And he took that individual that needed help to the inn, and what did he say to that innkeeper? Whatever it takes, takes. amen. Whatever it takes, whatever you give him, put it on my account. Wow, that is unconditional love. That is loving your neighbor to not just as yourself, okay, that's, that's one level in Matthew, love your neighbor as yourself, but in John 15, Jesus says, love each other, how? As I have loved you. Okay, so there's, there it is. What is the standard that we wanna be known in terms of loving our neighbor? And then you have to ask the question, who is your neighbor? And so I went through this process myself, and, and I remembered that I had neighbors of mine growing up in Riverside, story, another story, Jimmy White and Bob King. Jimmy White went to school with my sister Sarah, Alki Elementary School, you know, they, they were, he lived in our neighborhood. One night, Jimmy White runs into our, our house and we were at dinner table, call 911, call 911, my, my dad had an accident in front of your house. He hit a tree on, a, on his bike, wasn't wearing a helmet. Jimmy White's dad was never the same. And Jimmy was never the same. His dad ended up um, brain damaged, traumatic brain injury, and, 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 and perished 
um, you know, later, and, and, and so did Jimmy. Because of that situation, he got into drugs, alcohol. I used to see him on the streets. He was homeless in our streets in the 90s. And so that, God brought that memory back to me and convicted me on, on that regard. What, what happened to Jimmy? We lost Jimmy too to homelessness. It's a condition that people are in, that we can, that we can cure, that we can fix. Bob King, my, my sister Connie, Bob King went to Poly High School, was the president of the student body, went on to UCLA, had a great business in San Francisco, came back and married his high school sweetheart. Then they got divorced, he went home to his, his parents' house. Okay, so, so here's another story of an individual that became homeless for another reason through that divorce and that, and that situation. So two neighbors in my neighborhood that I grew up with, that I had a relationship with, that we lost to homelessness. What am I gonna do with that information? And so we started, I started listening more to the calling, and, and so I started going out to the churches, okay? Back to the VA. Who's gonna be the VA for, for the chronically homeless? The church, the faith-based organizations in our city. And so I started going out to talk to them, and this was one of the first stops. It's one of the first places I came. And they welcomed me in, Pastor Chris and her team. We prayed about it. I talked to them a little about this vision, about my conviction. And they brought some information to me that I'll show you in a second that we acted upon, we were beating about. And so that's why I said, you, you all are the epicenter for one of the programs that came out of Love Your Neighbor Initiative. So again, gratitude to you. So, so I, I think I'll, I'll show you this video because the time is, is escaping us. I'm gonna go through this quick presentation uh, and then see if we have any more time. Um, where's the video? Go back to the, the video, there we go. Riverside has seen a significant rise in our neighbors without homes, not just in Riverside, but throughout the county and throughout California. And it's obvious because of beautiful weather, if you see behind me in Riverside, what a great day it is. And so the homeless come to, to California and we address them in our cities. As the mayor of Riverside, we've addressed homelessness in a number of ways. As a believer, I believe that it is our responsibility to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And we're doing that now through what's called the Love Your Neighbor Initiative in Riverside. And that is reaching out to the faith-based community to encourage, motivate, inspire them to get more involved in engaging with the homeless and looking out for people in need, our neighbors without homes, and in giving as much as possible towards solving the issue, which is not having enough housing. You can't end homelessness without housing, can you? No. And so we're doing that day in and day out through a homeless outreach team. The city has employed, works 12 hours a day, and through our partnerships with the county and with the VA and with the federal government and with a nonprofit partner called Path to Life Ministries who operates our homeless shelter. And so we're doing it every day, but we need to do more because the population of our neighbors without homes is rising. I arrived here at the uh, Path of Life Community Shelter. I talked with Mr. O'Farrell we talked, I explained to him that I was homeless, that I needed a place to stay, and I showed him my uh, resume and the things I had, and he said, hey, you know what, we can help you. He noticed I had a lot of experience in a lot of different areas, including security, and he said, you know, we needed a great security officer here. Would you be interested in working here? 
And of course, I said, yeah, you know. Because of uh, Path of Life, what they did for me and with how they've helped me, I've been able to share my story sometimes with some guests. And they oftentimes are like, what, you, you were here? And I think it's something that's tangible because I deal with them every day, I talk to them every day. I try to be an example for them every day. So it's something that's tangible, something they can, they can attain every day and something they can see and they can aspire to do greater things because I encourage them to go on and do greater things. And, and you know, without that, all that was made possible by the Path of Life Mitch. There are three ways that you can help our Neighbors Without Homes. The first way you can help Neighbors Without Homes is to give your, your money. <laughs> yes, we need your money. Money makes housing come to fruition. And so if you are able to give $60, that's all we're asking, $60 a year from each congregant in your place of worship. If you can't give $60 a year, the second way that you can help us to end homelessness in Riverside is by offering places to house our neighbors without homes. Maybe you have a studio apartment or your garage, or maybe you have some land we could develop into homes for neighbors without homes. The third way that you can help us end homelessness in Riverside is through offering your skilled trade that you have you know, gone to school for, obviously, whether you're a medical doctor, somebody that can support through therapy and mental health or through other counseling uh, services we provide. And we also need people that are really good with their hands. And that means electricians, that means carpenters, that means plumbers. Anybody that could build a, a home out of nothing, we need you. And so again, this is your mayor, Rusty Bailey here, asking for you all to help us love our neighbors here in Riverside, and to end homelessness. Thank you. Amen. I guess I could have just shown you the video. <laughs> that, man, I haven't seen it in a while, but I think that wraps it up pretty, pretty nicely for you. But let me show you a couple of statistics. Who are our neighbors? Um, you saw some of that. We, we, we showed that in the video. These are statistics in terms of the outreach that I was talking about. Your church is one of those that have committed to a housing commitment. Um, so progress is there. So you can continue to pray for this effort as I go out all across the city. We, we are hoping that the close to 400 places of worship, the faith-based community in our city, can adopt, can love one of the neighbors, and that would end homelessness. If, if all 400 places of worship, churches in our city, were to take care of one of those neighbors, we could say that we've ended homelessness in our city. Obviously, as the Bible says, there's always gonna be the poor, there's always gonna be the needy, and so it's gonna continue um, you know, in, in our lifetime, but I think we can, as a goal, uh, achieve that functional zero. Next slide talks about um, the Grove Village, an example of a housing project for 600 square foot housing units that now through um, Path of Life Ministries and the shelter, so we still are sheltering people and families, about 100, 150 during cold weather. And so this is the next step, transitional housing towards self-sufficiency, and we've got a great success story there. So if anybody wants to tour and see what uh, this piece of land, it was old, a couple of, um, uh, couple of volleyball, a couple of sand volleyball courts were transformed into housing. So that's what we're looking for uh, across the city. Next slide. Social work internship, and that came from this church. Thank you again, amen, for giving this idea to us. And now, yeah. 
So through prayer and partnership, we, we came together with the faith-based institutions in our city, obviously education institutions, and we have 15 uh, social work candidates and, and uh, a coordinator that are connected to churches. I think it's seven churches, 15 um, students getting hours and loving the least, last, the lost and plugging them into um, opportunities in housing and, and otherwise. Next slide. So here's that challenge that you saw again that I'm gonna give to, to each church um, or faith-based uh, institution in our city. There's a financial commitment, as, as I mentioned. Um, some churches asked us, well, what, what does it mean? What, what do we have to raise? What's the goal? And so we, we looked at it, and, it, and this, would, this would add about $2 million if we had every congreg- congregant um, in the city providing $5 a month or $60 a year, we could end homelessness with that amount of money. Now, if we don't, if we don't get the money, uh, housing is another opportunity to give. That skilled labor we, you saw and we talked about, um, the wraparound services, mental health professionals, uh, grant writers can also cut that, that um, dollar amount down if we get those types of services uh, in, in volunteers. And then a ministry lead. So each church, you already have one, as, as you know. Um, if it's not Pastor Chris, Pastor Steve, Pastor Vadim, they've all been, been involved in this. So you already have that lead, love your neighbor ministry lead. Is that, so, so gratitude, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for, for answering the call and for, for blessing the city, blessing your mayor. Um, thank you for being obedient you know, to um, each of you now are, are gonna be held responsible and, and hopefully convicted by the Spirit and how you can contribute, how you can be a part of it through your church. Um, and then, you know, um, ultimately it's about, at the heart of this is, is reconciliation and restoration for children of God that are out there. And, and as, as your pastor invited you to, that poverty simulation, just, just think right now. So I was driving over here, the storms... The storm is here. Has anybody spent a night out on the streets through a storm? There are 400 individuals right now in Riverside that are weathering this storm without the comforts of a roof or a family to to love them. And those are our neighbors. And so as you are leaving today and going home today, pray for those least, last, and the lost. Pray for reconciliation and restoration to, to God, to their families, to their community. That's the, that's the heart of, of loving our neighbors. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the, the last scripture that I'll leave with you came up today in my, in my uh, devotional time. And it's in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3. The NIV says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the message says this, don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day, is as good as a thousand years or 10,000 years in the song. 
God isn't late with his promises as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. God doesn't want anyone lost. That is what we are here to do, to search for the least, the last, and the lost, to love our neighbors. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Everyone is our neighbor. So God bless you all. God bless La Sierra University and the church, and may God continue to bless the city of Riverside.